0: What an amazing meeting it's been so far. So um, that song, um, I don't know about you, I just thought it was so fantastic. And the words that that I really liked from some of the lyrics were, um, I am not in control, you alone are God. I mean, how good is that truth? And um, it feels like it's so obvious, we shouldn't need to even say it, but I don't know about you, and I suppose it's like what Michelle said about being controlling, like... That was always part of my DNA, I felt, like, the need to control and stuff. And you can work something, you can work it, you can go to, like, celebrate recovery or home groups and pray and work. And you can, like, work with something and improve and God can help you. And then something else can come along and you can think, oh, okay, there's still more work to do. So um, I like being really prepared if I'm going to speak. And, um, and I wasn't um, in that place today. But actually, it gives God space to speak, doesn't it? And um, I'm really thankful that I feel at peace today. So that's really unusual for me. And um, Katie, our pastor, she once said to me like about if you're talking, she said, do you hear from the Holy Spirit while you're talking? And I just thought, what? I've got my notes. The last thing I can do is listen to the Holy Spirit, which sounds ludicrous because, of course, he's the one we should be listening to. So I kind of had asked for that. I was like, oh, Holy Spirit, you know, if you need to juggle it around today or bring something, please bring it. And then during the, the song, I really got, and I don't know if it's for anyone specifically, Kathy, or for all of us, um, and it was the story in. Oh, let me see if I can find it. Sorry, sorry, so I hadn't prepped this bit. so it's the widow's oil in 2 Kings 4 okay so I'm just going to read it the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha your servant my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves Elisha replied to her how can I help you Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go round and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. And I think God gave me that because we can look at a situation and we can just go, I've got nothing left. Like, every single thing has been taken from me. This lady, she had obviously lost her husband. In these days, uh, there was no help from anyone. You know, if you were a widow and you didn't have children, you know, you just had to, to hope that people would help you. And in her case, there was debts, and she thought she was going to also lose her sons. I mean, we can't imagine, really, what this woman was going through, the fact of kids being sold to slavery for a debt. And, um, and God came and said to her... What have you got? And all she had was a tiny little bit of oil. And um, I really think there's something in this that says to us, it may feel like you've got nothing else to give, but look, there is something. There is something there that even though you're like, oh, I can't even necessarily acknowledge I've got it because it do not feel like I've got anything, there is a little bit of oil, and he says, bring it to me. Bring every bit you've got, and I will expand it, and I will bring more, and I will fill it, and I will release you from debt, and I will give you what you deserve. So that's just a little aside from the Holy Spirit. So what um I think I want to speak about today is um again the song said I will wait on you and I thought, oh words are so easy to say, aren't they? Like I can say those words really easily. But doing it can be so painful. I don't know about you, it can physically hurt every bit of your being, like emotionally and physically. You can feel like, like you know, when you've got really terrible stomach ache, it really hurts sometimes to wait on God when we don't know what the end's going to be. And um, God led me to a few bits in the Bible, and they're both from Acts. And it's about like what the apostles do after Jesus is crucified. So, like, so they were called his disciples because they followed him. So, the the same band, you know, group of men and and others were trying to go out and talk about Jesus. But they had a lot, like, a lot going on that was difficult for them. So, the first bit Jodie is going to kindly read is from Acts 5, verses 17 to 32. And if I just give you a little bit of background. So, the apostles had been still meeting and they'd been doing many miraculous things, signs and wonders. Um, people were listening to them and, and, and coming and getting healed and stuff. And it says in one of the verses just before this bit, um, people were bringing their sick into the streets so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them. This is how much the people trusted. This is the things they'd seen Peter do. And it said, crowds gathered from towns all around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. So that's like the background.
1: Then the high priestess and all his associates were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people.
0: So what I thought about that bit was, it was just worth chatting about as we go along, is they've been put in prison. And um, the first thing they were told to do when they escaped, when they were escaped by an, by an angel, he said, go stand in the temple courts, which was like the meeting place, the public area, and tell the people all about this new life. And I just was wondering what was in their heads at that moment. I wonder if at that moment when they just escaped from prison, they're worried for their lives. Did they want to go to a public place and tell the people all about like, the truth of Jesus? I imagine perhaps not. And um, I just thought, as it goes on, it says, at daybreak they entered the temple co- courts, and as they've been told, they began to teach people. So they were obedient. They did exactly what God asked them to do, even though perhaps every bit of urge in their bodies humanly might have been saying to them, don't do this, it's crazy. You've been told to stop preaching. You've been told not to speak about this man, Jesus. But they went and did it. And it made me think that they were persistent and unstoppable. And it also made me think, like, today's culture, of me when I tell my children to get off devices, like, put the iPad down, you know, put your phone away, they too are persistent and unstoppable. They generally find a way of going back into the uh, temple cults, as it was, and finding the things that I've told them not to, because that's, that's their thing.
1: When the high priestess and associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But upon arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there, so they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at the, a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you are put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and bought the apostles. They did not use false because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on the cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him.
0: So, the, I think the line that really captivates in that is um, when Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. And that's that, that can be a really tough one. Like Human beings might be telling us um, lots of different things and we have to live in this world. But the answer that they came up with, was that they had to obey God. So obeying God in real hardships. So that's, I think, the thing that got me from that passage. And then the next one in Acts is from Acts 12, and it's verse 1 to 17. Uh,
1: It was about this time that King Herod arrested some of whom belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread.
0: Okay, so to put this in a bit of context, um, trying to work out years in the Bible is tricky, but it seems like this happened in about the year 44 AD, so um, roughly 14 or so years after Jesus was crucified. They reckon that was about 30 AD. So... There'd been some time. Um, they'd had some problems, as we know. They'd been put in prison at times. And they'd had, in the beginning, they'd had all the um, the problems with Saul and his people trying to um, confront them and put them in prison and stone them like, you know, Stephen, etc. But at this point, the fact that it was the king persecuting them and that James, who was uh, killed by Herod, He was the first of the 12 to be martyred. So this was like um, a a getting worse, something, you know, they'd had persecution, but this was the first time one of the original 12 had been killed by someone in authority. So this must have been frightening for those men who were meeting and praying. And um, also the fact that, so now, so they've had this happen, their mate and someone who they'd been with for a long time, James, had been killed. And, um, and then Peter's been taken, so Peter's now in prison. And um, I thought well, oh, it's quite interesting because it was the time of Passover, so it was during the festival of unleavened bread, which is obviously when Jesus was taken, was during that
1: festival also. So, yeah, all things must have been going around their heads. Back to Peter. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handed him over to be guarded by four square of four soldiers each, Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover.
0: So, King Herod had Peter really heavily guarded. Like He didn't just put a guard around him and lock the door. He put 16 soldiers and two lots of locked doors. And then they chained Peter to... to the guards, so he could not escape. Like they'd had what had happened in the first verse, we read, you know they were embarrassed when they'd looked up all the apostles, and then suddenly they appeared in the in the square <laughs> preaching about Jesus. So obviously, at this point, Herod was like determined. Whatever happened, Peter wasn't going to um, wasn't going to uh, escape.
1: So Peter was kept in prison, but the church earnestly prayed for him.
0: So um, so Peter's taken. What are these? men do they earnestly pray to god for him and that that would have meant their meeting which was dangerous then spending time together and praying so it just was a reminder to me like how earnestly do we pray for a situation how much do we believe that our god is a miraculous god and how high are our expectations of what he will do these men had that expectation. They were praying, they were meeting, they were praying, they were like petitioning and um, on Peter's behalf.
1: The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. So what, what touched me on this one was um Peter was in a gentle, restful sleep, I
0: imagine. Like it wasn't just the light that woke him up, it wasn't like just a little nudge from the angel. The angel had to give him a slap by the sound of it. Um so like he had peace it might appear from that. Like so the others were working on his behalf,
1: God had it covered, Peter was asleep. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and came to an iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where there were many people who had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognised Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening and exclaiming, Peter is at the door. I mean, how funny
0: is that? Like, so he's escaped from prison, he's probably been chased and looked after, they've been praying for this thing, it happens, and she's so excited, <laughs> she goes back into the room without opening the door. So at this point, Peter's left outside in the cold in, in danger. Um, yeah, but it, uh, how astonishing can it be... When
1: we get the thing we've been praying for. Yeah. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished.
0: Okay, so um, they had faith and they were praying. But still, it can be astonishing when we see that something miraculous happens and... then. Um, I was thinking back to I had uh, always wanted to see a healing. Like I knew it happened and I believed it, but I'd never really seen it too much myself. And um, Wendy, who comes to this group, came around and prayed with me one day over something totally different, but I had an injury on my leg um, and it wasn't really going down and stuff. And she just said a couple of times, can I pray for you? And she said, do you feel the Holy Spirit, here?" And I was like, yeah. And she's like, let's pray again, let's pray again. And, um, and it felt instantly changed. And... Um, the bruising, and the swelling then you know in the next week whatever began to go down and get better and um i want to be at the point where that's not an astonishing thing i want to get to the point where that's the norm Where we pray for healing or we look at someone's situation and we go no that can
1: be changed that depression be gone peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the lord had brought him out of prison tell james and the other brothers and sisters about this he said And then he left them for another place.
0: So an amazing story of um, of being set free, really, and of what God could do. And um, the things that I think are really important about it is the question: Really, how earnestly do we pray? Let's have a think um, in our own lives. Um, Earnestly means to do something seriously, like with sincere and intense conviction. So we believe it's true. Therefore, we pray that way. We pray earnestly. Um, Kate, the pastor here, she talks quite often or prays quite often about attaching our faith to something. And I think that's such a good picture, like when you attach a key to a key ring or if you make clothes and you attach the sleeve to a piece of garment. Like, it takes, it's like a doing, it's an active thing. So even though God is doing all the work, us attaching our faith in specific ways, I think, can, part, can be part of activating that work, that miraculous work that God wants to do for us. Um, from the first bit of the Bible that Jodie uh, read, it, it made me think how persistent are we in proclaiming the truth of the gospel? Sometimes when we talk about Jesus to others, it can cost us. Obviously, in some countries, it can cost you your life. Like, we know very little of it, really, here. But, you know, in, in our culture, it can cost you um, relationships or friends. Or you could just be laughed at in the street. So um, and the last thing, again, was about um, how much do we believe that the Holy Spirit has been given to us by God for those of us who obey him. So there's so much in scripture that can bless us and teach us. And I pray that, um, yeah, go off and have a look at these bits. God is good got a song to finish with but I understand it's 12 o'clock so if anyone needs to go that's fine but I'll just play the song to finish